Welcome back to season three of the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. We've already had two super seasons before this one, and I can assure you this one is going to be the next level. I'm happy to share that my first guest on season three of the podcast is acclaimed writer and director Tarun Mansukhani. What you love about this episode is the clarity of thought, all right, and the no nonsense approach that Tarun brings to the table. Tarun, of course, has worked on some of the biggest movies in Bollywood. I mean, the likes of Dostana, Kabi Khushi, Kabi Gum, and more. He's seen the highs and, of course, the lows. And in an industry which is known to be extremely cutthroat, demanding, this is one episode and one perspective that you shouldn't miss for anything. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the amazing Tarun Mansukhani. Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat and you can call me GB. And welcome to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. A fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. All right, welcome back to season three of the Smash Bash Yet Not Dash podcast. Season one of the podcast had 10 episodes and was pretty much me going solo, talking about a wider range of you know, events and experiences from my life. Season two had some amazing people like Grant Cardone, Nikhil Kamath, Papa CJ, Adveta Kala, Bani J, Abhi Arya, Siddharth Rajshekhar, Richard Dolan, and Nikhil Mehra that all shared inspired stories you know, and inspiring stories from their lives as well. And all those amazing episodes are, of course, on all the major podcasting platforms as well. And today I'm happy to announce that we're actually kicking off season three with Tarun Mansukhani, my friend and the acclaimed Bollywood director and writer, and someone who has worked with the likes of Shahrukh Khan, Abhishek Bachchan, Priyanka Chopra, Kajol, Rani Mukherjee, John Abraham, and countless others. Now, just to name a few, welcome Tarun to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Gaurav. It's good to be here. And yes, uh, the uh, entire title of it kind of relates to us so much, uh, starting from boarding school onwards. So it's it's just great to have, have a chance to be able to talk about it now. Yeah, awesome. And we're going to go down that old journey of Lauren School Sana, where we were there in the, well, earlier formative parts of our life as well. But first up, you know, how have you been? It's been a while since we met. I think last was Founders um, 19 for a very, very brief period. And uh, the last two years since have been, well, interesting to say the very least. So how's it been for you, really? I think it was great for me, actually, uh, in this, uh, like after we'd met in Founders in November, in October, we had met and in November, I got onto my fitness journey. And I was about 85 or 86 kilos at that point in time. And I immediately said, you know what, I want to change in my life and all of that. And I decided that I'm going to start going to the gym. And next thing you know, the lockdown has hit. Uh, and luckily in my head, it went off as, you know what, this is a one week thing. I can't let go of that fitness journey. That one week became two weeks. Okay. Okay. It's just another week that you have to work out at home. And luckily I just stuck to it at that point in time. So for this period of time, I ended up losing another 25 kilos, uh, mm. great time having a workout. Uh, suddenly I was showing us uh, seeing a six pack arriving and I felt fantastic at that point in time. So it actually was a great time because I'm also a little antisocial. Uh, so it's great. And the travel within Bombay is such a nightmare. So suddenly it was like, oh, I have, a, uh, what ends up happening is I have a meeting in Andheri 
and I have to travel there for one and a half hours for a half an hour meeting and then a one and a half hour return journey because I stay in South Bombay. Uh, so it takes that long to get there. So suddenly now it was, hey man, it's a Zoom call. I can just click on, I'm on, I'm there. I've finished my Zoom meeting and I'm out of it. So I thoroughly enjoyed the lockdown portion and there's a part of me that's going, can this continue? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm, and this fitness portion has been great. My food got sorted in this period because then I didn't have access to too much of junk food and all of that. So everything just worked out in that time for me. I love that. And yeah, seriously, I've been, I just started following some of your posts on Instagram and it's inspirational. I mean, trust me, you've actually inspired me to go and join the gym, uh, which I have in, um, you know, the, the, the community where I actually stay. And because I think there's one goal that totally went the other way for me. I mean, I think I crushed everything else in the lockdown, but I think one thing that went for me the other way was, was the health side. And people look at me and they're like, oh, you put on weight. I'm like, dude, you're just being kind, right? Because yeah, it's, I mean, the worst I've ever been in terms of the, health, the weight side. But never fat so, or anything ever. No, no. Even when I saw you in 2019, you weren't fat at all. So yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's kind of starting. I think it's now on the okay. cusp. I need to, need to yeah. you know, um, stem it, you know, yeah. cut it and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that's a strange thing. Like when mm-hmm. I first lost my first 10 kilos, I mm-hmm. felt fantastic because I felt like mm-hmm. my waist had gone down, my jeans weren't fitting anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I would ever meet anyone, they would be like, but you haven't lost any weight. They couldn't tell at all. Mm-hmm. They never looked at me and thought of me as remotely fat. And I always looked at myself and said, damn it, what is this belly dude? Really, it's okay. got to go at some point. So it's this odd perspe- perception of everyone else that they don't think you're fat at all, but we have it in our heads that we are and we're not, I, I want that six pack and all of that. So, yeah, yeah. I think uh, for the time being, I think I started losing the beer belly and then <laughs> make yeah. the way down to the, the six pack as well. But thank you for sharing and, and good to know that, you know, they have been positive experiences, even based on, you know, what all the negativity and the noise yes. and which is, you know, of course, one of the reasons why we also run this podcast because such unique um, you know, experiences and such, uh, you know, unique shares from everyone that everyone then realizes, hey, you know what, I think there is still something to hold on to and something good that right. happened for us. So thank you for starting out with that one as well. So Tarun and I, of course, went to the Lawrence School Sanal. And I think if there's one thing that Sanal teaches you above everything else is uh, resilience. Um, you know, truly, so never give in is our, is our motto. And we had some crazy stories, uh, you know, from the early days. Anything that comes to your mind, Tarun, from the early days, you know, something that tested you and challenged you and would be a unique uh, experience for our listeners and watchers? Um, well, to start with, in Sanar, I was a cocky bastard. Okay, uh, I love taking pangas with people, especially because I was all of four feet, six inches tall and everyone else was overpowering and t- tall. So just to get on to someone who was six feet plus was like this inner thrill that I used to get oddly. So at that point in time, I remember there was a guy called Bassnet. I don't know if you remember him. Anu Bassnet, I think it was. Uh, yeah. So he was like six feet, two inches tall and he was a senior. So mm-hmm. technically you're not meant to cross that line. Right. And then there was me in the middle of uh, the dorms standing by his bed while he was lying down and abusing him and telling him, you want to have it out because you're scared of having a fight with me. Damn. At which point when he sat up on the bed, he was taller than me. <laughs> I remember that bit and he looks over to a couple of beds aside where my brother's bed was and he just turns to him and says, Kabir, tell your brother, if I breathe, he will fly off. Mm. Okay. And I have told, turn on and told him that, what the hell are you talking to my brother for? You talk to me and this and that. And that one slap that arrived and I went flying after a while. But that never changed my madness over there of wanting to take these pangas. So the first thing that comes out of Sanar is I've had a lot of beatings. None of them have been... Uh, 
just for the fun of it, they've all been very deserved. I have, have completely deserved all of them because it was always me taking a panga with somebody for no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Uh, so that part of you kind of prepared me for the rest of the world that when the uh, superficial version of it arrives, you're not hurt by it anymore. You know, you've kind of been there. So you're kind of ready with that panga mode already to say, you know what, bring more on if you can. So definitely that is one of the things that I've definitely taken forward from Sanar is the fact that I will never back down. So no matter what life throws at you, you'll always be, you. yes, you'll, you'll get smashed, bashed, but you just won't get dashed. Love that. Yeah, thank you for that share. Yeah, and crazy times. I think when kids today hear about what we went through, um, it's quite uh, quite unimaginable, but I think at the time it was par for the course. And uh, I think everyone went through, you know, the same, if not worse, uh, but that was yeah. our generation, but times have changed. and Absolutely. Yeah, but interesting. And thank you for sharing, uh, you know, on that one as well. So you left Sina a little before I did. And yeah. uh, what was your journey on uh, from there on? And how did you actually make your way to Bollywood? And if I recall, you actually even did some acting while, you know, you were still yeah. maybe uh, yeah. in your late teens. Um, it was the TV show Dig by Dig. Um, so how did how did that really happen? How did that transition happen? I think that journey started for me in Sanar itself. Um, I was never good with academics, um, like complete duffer. In 10th, I've gotten 39.42. So, um, but I remember there was uh, Mr. Abraham and of course, uh, Mr. Ghosh, who kind of looked at me immediately in uh, lower four itself and turned around and said, you know what, academics is not your thing join the debate society, join drama and do all of that. So they started shifting me into that world from a, from that age onwards. And I started doing a lot of plays for inter-school plays and all of that. And I would win best actor award and I would be thrilled about it. And that kind of uh, the drug that you first taste for the first time started right there. Um, and it was great to have two people who actually just pushed you into the direction that actually worked for you rather than a whole world that turned around and said, no, academics is it. If you don't get marks, you will not get anywhere in life. Uh, so I thought it was very progressive and I happened to be very lucky to have such teachers around me who would actually take that effort to individualize the student and say, here, move in this direction because this works for you. And so finally, when I left school on, in after upper five and you guys were there till upper six, I joined uh, college in Bombay, uh, HR college in Bombay. And I remember my first day of college, I was with the friends who I had known from Bombay before that, who were the day uh, who studied in Bombay itself. Right. And we all went to college and there were some seniors standing at the gate and they turned around and called all of us, a bunch of us, about seven, eight of us and said, look, it's your first day. We're going to rag you and all of that. And they made us, they said, pick up these boards and walk up and down the corridor saying Narmada Bachao. Mm -hmm. And I, for a moment, just blanked out like, is that what you're calling ragging? Because you have no <laughs> idea than we, where we've come from. While the other uh, kids with me, the youngsters with me, were actually embarrassed, scared, and wondering what the hell, how can I carry a board and say Narmada Bachao? One of them started crying. And I was like, have you all gone mad? Have you not met the other end of a hockey stick award? <laughs> so I have suddenly just picked up that board and started running up and down screaming Narmada Bachao. And thanks to that, everyone became friends with me. At that point in time, while the others would continue to get bullied, I had a free pass after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where, again, I happened to be very lucky where I met a lady called uh, Mrs. Indu Shahani. She was the vice principal at that point in time of the college. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was, again, one of those like Mr. Abraham who kind of spotted people and just told them that the truth that look academics is not your thing mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So she turned around and put me into a brand new course for advertising. And she said, uh, again, because in upper five, I had got 39.42. Mm-hmm. It was not the easiest of admissions uh, to get into college. Okay. Uh, so of course I did not get in on the merit list. Yep. And then there was something called the Sindhi list. Okay. Because mm-hmm. all the benefactors of all these colleges are Sindhis. Mm-hmm. You kind of use the pull within the community. Correct. And with 39.42, nobody's willing to give you that help either. <laughs> so as my admission thing was that I had to do perform a mono act of a guy proposing to a girl in front of the uh, principal of the college and the vice principal of the college and one more teacher. Mm-hmm. And after seeing that, they turned around and said, okay, we will give you admission, but you have to take part in every inter-college competition and you have to take part in every inter-college debate and all of that. Okay. So your attendance will be marked, but you have to do all of this. So again, that pushed me into that world. It just naturally took me over there. So college started and I started performing in plays and this and that. And I remember my very first play uh, was for a festival called Malhar, which was held by Xavier's College. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was playing some school principal or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the judges was a gentleman called Anand Mahindu, who was directing a show called Dek by Dek. So after the play finished, uh, he came up to me and he said, look, I uh, think you're a very good actor. Why don't you come and act in my serial? And I had no clue about serials. I had no clue about Hindi movies. Our exposure to movies was one Sunday. We used to get a film that also mostly an English film. So I really had no idea about Bollywood or anything. My family had never been there. None of that. So I was just like, okay, how much are you going to pay me? Okay. And he turned around and said, I'll pay you 2000 rupees. So I felt like I was on top of the world because I'm earning 2,000 rupees. I was ready to call up my house and say, I'm moving out. Right. Right. With 2,000 rupees without realizing what rent was and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I went and performed in the uh, serial immediately. And it was one of those. They, had done, they were doing it for the first time as a regular sitcom where there were multiple cameras. And you performed the whole thing like it was on stage. But while we were doing that, in the midst of it, one of the actors turned around and said, cut, cut, cut. We'll take one more. And I had only done theater. So I didn't know what cut meant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how have you stopped the audiences watching? What right. the hell is going on? And I didn't understand the difference between theatrical work and uh, uh, film work. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately after that, I got a little thrown off about it. Like, you know, this is not acting. If you can take another chance at it, then you've not done your craft. So I went back to him after the first serial finished. And I turned around and said, look, it's not working for me. I'm going to head back and all of that. I don't like all of this. So he was, uh, again, looked at me and said, okay, I'll tell you what, why don't you assist me? You see how you prefer it behind the camera. And suddenly I was doing these 22 hour days. I was 16 years old, doing uh, 22 hour days, working somewhere in the middle of Chembur in RK studios, taking a train to come back home and doing sleeping on a platform because the train hasn't started yet. It's going to start at 4.30 in the morning, but you finished work at one in the morning and all of that. And that world, suddenly it was that drug that I had got from school. Suddenly I felt over here and I just couldn't look back after that. I just needed to be behind that camera and not in front of it. And while I was doing all of those jobs, I suddenly got a call from uh, Karan Johar and he said, Hey, you know what? I'm starting my first film and all of that. Would you like to come and assist me? And of course he was not a, a known name at that point in time. So I remember this story very clearly because I went and met him. And at that point, uh, everyone who had met, who had worked with had said, you need to study filmmaking. So I was very clear that I wanted to go to FTII. And I went to meet Karan and I told him, look, uh, I know your film is happening, but I'd like to go to FTII. And he started laughing. Mm -hmm. So I got a little thrown off that. What do you mean? Why are you laughing at my dream like that in front of me? Mm -hmm. 
and i said you know what i don't like this person i'm going to go so he said okay look look uh, do one thing go give your exam for fti if you get in we'll talk at that point in time hmm? right. i said okay okay and i've gone for the exam now a i remember walking to that examination hall feeling like i was some 19 or something at that point in time or 20 but everyone else seemed like they were 40 they all had these long beards long hair they knew cinema and all of that and i had no clue what the hell i was doing there and then that exam paper arrived and the first question on it was who directed swami vivekanand part 2 and i was blank i had no idea what the hell was going on and the guy next to me with his long beard by the time i could comprehend the question he was on his second sheet answering the first question right and then after a while i just picked up the pen and i wrote my answer over there saying i had no idea part 1 was ever made <laughs> and did the paper back i went back to karan and i said now i know why you were laughing yeah, yeah. and that's where my journey with karan began so good so good yeah and i love how you spoke about you know even that part so interestingly even i actually left in upper 5 and a similar thing happened for me as well because i didn't do the best and i was uh, you know guaranteed admission in in one of the delhi schools bases again you know the the contacts which in the last yeah. moment you know kind of bailed and uh, you know then i ended up at uh, dps matra road and even interestingly my ragging was exactly the same the guys like roll take off your shoes and socks roll up your you know trouser uh, you know cuffs and uh, he says uh, run down singh bhago bhago baad aa gayi and i'm like okay i mean i could do that right and the same thing and then, and then he's like, like oh, girl, you know go to that girl and say i want to make friendship with you i'm like okay dude that's like you know i mean really sad but i mean really you sad really sad right? but yeah so that was that was that was ragging for them and again coming from where we come from piece of cake yeah. it's okay completely yeah so what were your family members thinking this time i mean now you know you you've taken a path which is uh, perhaps not conventional yes i mean obviously you know something that you were really great at and you mentioned really interesting teachers like you know mr abraham and mr ghosh uh, you know mr khan i mean these are great you know teachers who kind of saw in us i think things that didn't exist I mean, right. just I think Mrs. Khan said, "Oh, you know, one day you perhaps you know will be some kind of you know speaker or or something else." Another time, I'm like, "Dude, I'm I'm just reciting Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright." I mean, yeah. what are you talking about, right? Uh, but it's interesting how you know some of these uh, interactions led to the career choices that we now make. But what was your family thinking at this time? Twenty, twenty-one year old, um, you know, getting into into show business. It's a business that can be extremely hard, and you're going to be. possibly doing a project with um, you know someone who's who's untried and untested we'll come to kuch kuch hota hai in a short while as well but what was your family thinking at this time so because it started for me when i was 16 uh, right with uh, dekh bhai dekh uh, i remember first time at when i told my mom about it and she was like oh okay tv serial show uh, is this, you want to do this and i was like yeah it's exciting i want to go i'm going to get paid 2000 rupees the 2000 rupees was more of the excitement than it was anything else and uh, she turned around and said okay go and then i went i found my bus route and i did all of that it felt like i was going on this adventure and mm-hmm. it felt fantastic mm-hmm. at that point in time till i got there and everything was like what the hell dude this is boring <laughs> i have to wait between shots it's not one performance simple uh, once the uh, curtains open and then you go and then i'm like okay we will take this shot later on and then this dialogue will happen later i'm like what the hell is going on i'm confused as shit uh so that portion with my family none of them ever objected to that entire thing of being creative i think they also have been with me in the journey of where my academics suffered so they kind of realized that yes okay academics is not his thing let's just let him go <clears throat> wherever the water is taking him if nothing else he'll come back and we'll find something else yeah yeah uh my sister who is a dentist and doctor and dentist my brother is a mba and then there's me with 39.42 
So mm-hmm. somewhere, I think they had also come into the entire thing to say, okay, if this doesn't work out for him, we will have to look after him. Yeah. He won't be able to do much. So, okay, he will become the compounder in my mm-hmm. clinic and all of that. Somewhere that <laughs> settlement had happened in their head. Right. Due to which there was no objection for me to go and try all of this. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> if I failed, it was fine. If I worked, great. Yeah. And I had a great support system from them because I never got the whole thing of, uh, oh, where the hell are you? And it's 22 hours, you've not slept or any such thing. Uh, for my mom, it was, she was a single, she's a single mother. So uh, for her, it was, it's a grind. We've all been through it. Go for it. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. And again, lots of similarities there as well, because and it's so cool how, you know, your mom and your siblings actually said, hey, you know what? This is great. Go for it. Because many other friends that we know, it went the other way. They said, oh, this is my dream, you know, photographer, X, Y, Z, you know, writer. They're like, dude, like go out there and, and learn and use you know, proper skills and, and go out there and do what you do. And maybe today, not the happiest, right? So, yeah. yeah, so cool that, you know, you were actually able to do that and your parents were all, you know, behind you on that one as well. Super. So 1997, you know, 20, 21 year old, and you arguably work on one of the most um, awarded, liked and iconic Hindi movies, especially of our time. So Kuch Kuch Hota Hai. What was that really like? I mean, how was it for you being as part of like magnum opus, uh, you know, so to speak? So again, I think I was lucky by the fact that I was ignorant about it all. Uh, I had no idea about uh, Shah Rukh Khan being Shah Rukh Khan and Kajal being Kajol. And Karan was a nobody at that point in time. He was making his first film. Yes, within a fraternity of friends and all that, he was very popular. But in the outside world, he wasn't anybody. Um, and his biggest, I think, uh, achievement at that point in time was that he wanted assistants who were on the same wavelength as him. Uh, generally, it was the norm of the industry to just get a bunch of assistants who would execute and do the work. Whereas with him, he suddenly took me and Nikhil Advani as his assistants, who were uh, English speaking, came from South Bombay, his uh, locality, and had grown up with the same kind of uh, uh, upbringing as him and all of that. So when we started working, there was never a yes, sir, no, sir kind of an uh, environment. It was just young people making a film together. You kept your respect boundaries as you did in school. Uh, But there was no limitation to discuss something and say, you know what, Karan, this doesn't work. I feel like, why is he saying this? Why is the actor saying this? It doesn't make sense for the character. And he would listen to you and he would give you his explanation as to why he would take us for music sittings and all of that. So it, it was never a big thing for me because I'd never known it before. Mm-hmm. I felt this was the norm. It was only after Coach Coach Hota that I realized this is not the norm. You got really lucky with an exceptional person like Karan who took you in that journey along and explained everything to you along the way. Yeah. Uh, in my second film is when I started to meet more assistants that in Mohabate when I realized that, oh, there are fading dreams also. There are people who have been assisting for decades Correct. and have never had a chance Correct. to do anything with their life. No. Uh, and at that point in time, I was also still an aimless person to say that I, I wasn't like, oh my God, I love this so much. I want to direct mm-hmm. a film someday. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm having the ball of my life. This can continue. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was never that ambition. So Kuch Kuch Hota was actually the cleanest of film for us is because as much as we had ambition, mm-hmm. it was not um, uh, tainted with the fact of success. It was just the fun to be there and actually get a chance to make a film with the fear that we might never get this chance again. So let's just have fun making it. Mm-hmm. moment we got into a second film and tasted success, you wanted to have that same replication to happen again. Yeah, yeah. 
but the first one was just pure fun and great time just making it so there was no pressure of oh my god i'm working on a karan johar film or a sharukh khan film or a kajol film or any such thing it was a film mm love that and of course this like followed by many other hit movies you had kabhi khushi kabhi gham kal hona ho kabhi alvida na kehna so obviously as you know in your roles in all of these um, you know movies uh, you're doing a lot of heavy lifting so how stressful was it you know in working with in these situations on these movies especially managing the expectations of cast and crew so what was that like you know when your journey was starting out uh, with some of these uh, movies i think we were so accustomed to so called stress uh, that it never felt like this is too much to handle uh whether it was from boarding school whether uh, the times that you felt homesick but you couldn't go home whether it was relying on your friends eventually or it was getting the education of the fact that come what may you have to be up for pt no matter how cold it is and in those shorts and ganji it doesn't give you nobody cares you just move the hell on and all of that so that education kind of came into the fact that no matter how much pressure is there on a film right. it's handleable everything is handleable if it cannot be handled right now step away take a breath any which ways you failed at it move the hell on one day later there's no problem to it at the end of the day mm. uh so that was like it was almost pre prepared within me so i never felt it on a film like kuch kuch hota hai or kabhi kuch kabhi gam which had this right. cast star right. cast arrive and all of that yep. that oh my god this is a little overwhelming uh, i remember getting overwhelmed once when we were uh, shooting kabhi alvida na kehna and karan came up with this song uh, tumhi dekho na and he said i want everything color coded mm-hmm. and i want this entire section to be in red and this entire section to be in blue and this entire section with yellow caps mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. and at that point in time i was just like okay everything has to be in a singular color and which meant now every single aspect of that frame i needed to figure out because karan has given the orders yep. he's going to sit down now and now you have to actually execute it Right. and now to find those props to give every person oh i need a red umbrella a red file a red pen a red this a red sari a red sweater oh my god those colors drove us mad completely and then came the time when we had to do it with the yellow caps it's so much easier when you have to give a red pen and a red sweater to someone right. but now you're trying to coordinate 30 yellow caps six have to move in this direction the other six behind them in this direction while six more are parked in the distance there which are probably never going to be in frame but they still need to be there and all of that and that was the little time that i got a little overwhelmed but again it happened in that moment where i just sat down when somebody they were asking me too many questions of okay where does this cap go where does this go and i was like you know what shut up for 5 minutes and i just sat down for 5 minutes over there looked at all the caps and i said okay this number to this number cap can go from here that number cap to that number cap can go from there and those number caps can just stay there right why are you individualizing the caps mm. because tomorrow it went kind of back to that moment in pt when you turn around and said okay this line has to go across from here take a circle and then formation there while the other line has to go there it's it was literally that simple yeah. and all that just comes back to you in that moment without you even realizing it and you end up orchestrating it all so i don't think there was ever a moment when we got so overwhelmed there were of course the stresses of the fact that oh somebody fell unwell or somebody camera broke or this happened and that happened and somebody will turn out and it was never our money so we never kind of felt the pressure of oh my god it needs to be a success we put so much money into it right so a lot and yash johar was such a fantastic producer that he never let you feel that pressure either right right he kind of just went okay it's going to cost this much no it's going to cost this much and then do it now 
not realizing probably that we have no understanding of the value of that money. So we felt like, oh, we are being responsible by saying, yes, yes, we've taken the money and we will make sure we do something good. And we've done that. So there was never that understanding alone. I felt the ignorance was a great part of it that we just did the fact that it needed to be done. Love that. Yeah, interesting. And, um, you know, and as you rightly said, there was no pressure, you know, from the producers. And I think that would really have, you know, helped as well. And of course, in, in 2008, then you decide to, okay, now, you know, try the, the director's role. And now you're doing Dostana. Um, do you think your leadership style has changed much since, you know, 2008 to, you know, what it is today, let's say? And, you know, how, how did that transition really happen? And what really is, you know, Tarun's leadership style? Uh, so one, okay, let me tell you what my leadership style is. I feel that I don't scream, I don't yell. I go into silent mode. If somebody has messed up, I don't believe in blaming anyone. We need to find a solution, move ahead. And then I go into the silent mode for five minutes. And uh, uh, that's what I was talking to my assistants about. And mm -hmm. I turned around and said, you know, at least I know that I go into silent mode. And suddenly there was this look that came to me from all of them. And I kind of went, what? I don't scream. What are you talking about? And they have said, suddenly turned around and said, you are a maniac. You scream so loudly that even the other people who don't want to get screamed at are, are running in fear. This silent treatment is not happening from you. So I always felt I'm such a good boss mm -hmm. and all of that while my assistants have wanted to throttle me on many occasions. Uh, so my leadership skill, I would say, turn around and say is that only thing that I feel is good is I don't look for anyone to blame. If a mess up happens, it happens. It's always because I've been on the other end as an assistant where we have done some colossal mess ups and hidden it from Karan and all of that. Uh, so my first thing to my assistants is if you fuck up, yeah. hide it, go figure it out. If you can't figure it out, then come and tell me honestly that this has happened and we will sort it out. Love that. Yeah, truly should be the the motto for more in, in corporate yeah. India leaders as well, because yeah, truly people, not, not too many people have that kind of approach and they're always looking for a scapegoat and they're always, yeah, looking to sacrifice someone. And it's, it's and sacrifice someone who I feel there are a lot of people who are very demeaning when they scream at people. And I never understood that because yes, we've been screamed at a billion times. We've never been demeaned by anyone we worked with. Uh, so why would you ever do that to someone? How insecure would you need to be to be able to demean an assistant or a spot boy or some new actor on set uh, for you to feel great about yourself? True that, true that. And of course, for Dostana, you had picked up some uh, Filmfare nominations uh, yes. and the likes as well. Was it uh, disappointing on the day when uh, you know some of those wins didn't uh, really come your way? Um, not really, actually, because, you know, for me, a certain amount, uh, having lived through all of them, uh, I felt that awards are not really of the value that they claim. It's more a TV show. Uh, you know, the, you're required there for attendance and therefore, uh, or you're performing on the uh, show. And that's why certain awards are being given out and all of that. It never held any value for me. So I didn't care whether we won them or we didn't win them. For us, it was just great that we were there. Uh, and the fact that the film was loved, was more than enough. I really didn't give a shit. Critics loved it, which was shocking. I never thought I'd get critical acclaim for a film. Um, mm. And the audiences loved it. And I remember Karan actually telling me that you're one of the rare people who has gotten a critical acclaim and an audience acclaim. Yeah. Uh, so enjoy it while you can, because possibly you will never get it again. You'll they'll Either the audience will love it or the critics will love it, but not both. And so I was just happy with that much. My music had done fantastically. It still plays at places. 
so I'm just happy with that much. I honestly don't give a shit because it's just a piece of metal that people want to put on their shelves to feel good about themselves. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. And a lot of people just make it about the awards and the yeah. accolades and everything else. And their whole life is that. And when it doesn't come, it's you know, extremely disappointing. But again, super um, you know, thought process, super mindset you know, there as well. So obviously when you're know, on projects uh, and the likes that you've now been working on, you have a few things in the pipeline now as well. What are your criteria for bringing people you know, onto your teams? Because obviously it is you know, a high pressure job. Um, time is money. Um, maybe not everyone is like, you know, Yashraj films and the likes, yeah. um, you know, scope for error is kind of minimal. So <clears throat> what are some of the things that you look for on people when you're bringing them onto your team? So I think my first thing is that I know that I'm going to end up spending at least four months with these people day in, day out, right? Mm-hmm. I need to be able to be on the same sensibility level with them. I need to be able to have a conversation with them. I need to be able to sit down for a dinner or a lunch with them and just have a good time, not talking film. There has to be more to them than, and they could be whatever. It doesn't have to match with me. Like if I like Formula One, then my entire team needs to like Formula One. No, Mm. they can be people who never watched Formula One in their life, but they are uh, passionate about art or about anything under the sun, technology or about an app. There could be an idiot who's just happy, who wants to date all the time, Mm. who's on Tinder and Bumble and everything. Mm. As long as they have a conversation that's uh, uh, separate from filmmaking and they're in the same sensibility as you, and you can, so you can get along. If you don't get along with the people you're working with, you can never make a good film. Yeah. Never. Oh, so true. So true. And this should be like management 101 lessons from Tarun because yeah, super insights. And like I said, I just wish, and because, you know, I work so extensively with corporate India, right. it's uh, frustrating sometimes in terms of, you know, the attitude and the mindset that people have. And I think many could, could yeah, gain in immensely from this episode uh, as well, like super stuff. While we're still on this, uh, you know, entire uh, piece of um, management, um, so to speak, and mindset, how about delegation? Because obviously, you know, you have to be a good delegator. It is a very, very important part. You can't be going out and doing too many things yourself, which unfortunately many people do. So your benchmark for deciding on, okay, this is something I can delegate and this is something I'm never going to let go of. So what are some of your benchmarks on that? So uh, this is something I actually fell and learned from. Uh, because I'm an assistant for so many years, I was so accustomed to doing it myself, uh, making sure that it's done and never trust anyone. Just make sure it's done yourself. Uh, so when I started doing Dostana as a director, now suddenly you are not an assistant director anymore and your priorities have changed. Right. And I remember my first shot itself was John Abraham. He comes in this truck. He comes into the foreground, parks the car and he gets off. Um, I The entire shot happened and we finished and I was watching the monitor. And I just stopped it in the middle and I said, what is this guy in the background doing? Make him move from left to right. And John tapped me on my shoulder at that point in time. And he said, Baba, how was I? And that's when it kind of hit me that my job has changed. I'm not meant to look at the background anymore. I have to look at the foreground. As an assistant director, your job is only to look at the background and not the performance in the foreground. Okay. So I said, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll do one. More. And we started doing one. More. But I would definitely, even in a dostana, was still stuck in first AD mode where I couldn't get myself to delegate. So I was constantly on my first AD's head. Is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Is this not done? By the time that finished and I moved on from there to do other things is when I realized I have to let go because I would have hated the fact had Karan done this to me, had he not let me do my job. So then the next, uh, on the next round, when I was doing one, uh, it was a election campaign that we were doing to go and vote. 
and there were multiple uh, actors arriving for it and there was a big setup to be done and all of that and i my first ad i kind of just backed off and i was cringing in the corner i was holding my fist tight and standing there keeping my mouth shut like no no just let him do it let him do it he's not remembered a b c d e f g but okay let it go let it go it will fuck up it will fuck up no go say something no don't go say something there was a big battle within to just hold back over there mm. and moment things started happening on their own you start to realize ah the world does revolve without you being in control on it okay so that's when i started to kind of let go of a little more and a little more and i've reached a point now where i'm like this needs to be done it needs to be done that's your headache how it happens and how many hours it takes and whether you miss your birthdays or weddings or whatever it is not my concern anymore mm-hmm. make it happen how you make it happen is up to you yeah 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 and as you rightly said i think lessons are learned you know only from experience and yeah like you had in your instance as well so are we still good for another like 15 minutes because the insights yes, are like super yeah. you know some good questions coming in i know we said half an hour we might go to about 45 no, at all okay lovely um it is of course uh, a sunday afternoon and uh, thank you for making time i know today to do this the biggest advantage of working in the film industry is that there's no such thing as sunday Mm. we've never had a sunday god knows in 20 years now so everything's great yeah yeah so true so you see a lot of people obviously you know coming to um, bollywood and even other uh, you know um, movie making areas across the country and they aspire to be either in front of the camera or behind the camera uh, what's your advice to them especially when things aren't going their way because not everyone you know will have those breaks uh, not everyone will have those you know early wins and sometimes like you rightly said it could be years before that happens so your advice to you know people who really haven't had that kind of luck uh the first thing i would tell them is that be prepared for rejection you're working in a field which is about art in some form uh there's a commercial side to it of course and but whatever it is you're here because you're passionate about filmmaking or acting or uh drama or whatever it may be mm. and that alone comes with rejection 90% of the time there are a few times that you will get the high of success the remaining times are just pure rejection uh whether it's an actor who goes for audition after audition after audition and gets rejected every single time so that hang in there there's no count to it that turns around and says okay if you give the 100 auditions that you fail at the 101 you'll pass it could be a million for you it could be two for the other person yeah you cannot compare yourself to anyone else your journey is just yours it's going to take its own sweet time or it's going to just happen you're going to be driven or not be driven on some days whatever it is just never give in it's as simple as that mm yeah back to the old school model for sure back sana yeah yeah and i think again um, what really comes into play is your why and your and your purpose right because if it wasn't just the money i mean a lot of people yes you know they come in for the money and not only in the movie business i'm just talking about you know just just life for that matter they enter into a particular you know profession trade uh, business uh, you know job whatever it may be because they're doing it only for the money and then when things don't happen they're like okay this is not working i'm quitting and i'm packing my bags and going back but if it i think if it's your why your purpose you know your inner being that just wants this to be you know who you want to be i think then you'll you'll have a lot more resilience to rejection let's just say i kind of feel that even if your motivation is money for example right keep your motivation alive that's it whatever your motivation may be it might be glamour oh i've seen the actors they have such a great life they don't have a great life 
the girl has to, if an actress has to come on to set today, she has to wake up three hours prior to her call time to make sure her hair is washed and do all of that. So that when she comes, then they put product into it, sit in two and a half hours in a chair so that her makeup can be done. And then, so you're talking about a five hour beforehand job that needs to happen for you to see one singular shot, mm. right? And they don't see that side of it. They see, oh my God, the paparazzi is behind them at a, a restaurant and they're doing this and they bought this car and they're living this life and they're traveling here and all of that. Even if that's what motivates you, know that there is a lot of hard work that goes behind any form of motivation. Great. So even if it's money, if it's glamour, whatever it may be for you, just work at it. You cannot give up. You can give up because of circumstance. Uh, life might not throw the best balls at you and some curveballs just kind of hit you out of the blue. That's fine. You want to give up. Uh, giving up is basically that you chose not to fail anymore. That's it. So mm -hmm. it's up to you now when you decide, I don't want to fail anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. So, but in the industry, you know, another uh, question that comes to mind, uh, there's a lot of temptation in the movie business. And um, you know, sometimes people just have to make difficult choices. So advice to people you know, who are in the industry or aspire to get into the industry, uh, when they're faced with a difficult choice, uh, you know, what, would, what would be your advice as Tarun to them? Uh, a, I can never give you advice on that. I can always tell you that you need to choose for yourself what you want to do eventually. Who has to look at themselves in the mirror the next morning? Uh, who has to live with themselves with that uh, thought of what I've done or not done and all of that is you yourself. No, but everyone, you can turn around and say that people will judge me and all of that, but that's just you hiding from yourself. You've judged yourself already. And the moment there is a part of you that says it's wrong, don't do it. Because that little inception moment that you've just had there is going to eat at you for a long, long time to come. Uh, if you're okay with it, go right ahead. Nobody's judging you. Nobody questions. Uh, in any other field, as you said, there's temptation in this world. In the other worlds, it's about bribes. It's about uh, something or the other. There's always some uh, wrong that you might have to do uh, and falsify some documents or something or the other to make it ahead. Yeah. The choice is yours. Yeah. You will have to live with it. Nobody else. So true. So true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we talk about some of these things in in uh, in you know in the movie business, but you're so right. I mean, the you know procurement person asking for kickbacks or you know fudging your books and all. I mean, these are these are equivalent uh, you know real world choices yeah. that uh, entrepreneurs you know and, and working professionals make every day. So you know why is it different? Also, you should also consider writing a book at some point. I think It'll be like a super. I think book. I'm writing enough in my life for me to not and the non-academic that I am. I genuinely thought that you know now that i'm in a creative world i wouldn't have to ever write things again but here there's more paperwork than there is anything else yeah yeah so if you weren't in the movie business uh, what other profession would you probably have picked um i don't know like i've been asked this question before and i think that i'd somewhere just naturally find my way back to the industry uh i would possibly end up being a spot boy if need be but i would just want to be a part of this world mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, and and it just goes so deep, right? I mean, as a as you know, like a twelve year old, thirteen year old, so it just goes so deep. It's in your blood. I mean, there is perhaps just no man. plan B. So you look, you are going to find your way back here. Right? Yeah, and as you just way. said, there was never a plan B. In all honesty, there was never a plan A. It just plan A showed up, and then you just loved it so much that you never thought of anything other than that. So there was no plan B ever. Yeah, and I feel that's one of the things I also read about recently is that. Um, most people don't succeed with plan A because they have a plan B. Yeah. 
they look at it as uh, as something that oh my god this is my safety net the moment you have a safety net you cannot jump off the cliff absolutely yeah burn the boats there is no yeah. there is no way going back exactly. is it Uh, exactly. If you don't take the boats, take the enemy's boats and go back. But there yeah. is no, not your own. Boat. It's not the scope for it. Back on. Absolutely love that. So, any smashed bash moments? Uh, you know, something that happened in your life that you want to share about? You know, with the listeners of the podcast, uh, where uh, you had that smashed bash moment, and you're like, oh my god, you know, is this is this like the end game, so to speak? I think a lot of it, in a, uh, because of the fact that between my first film and second film, there was almost like a nine year gap. Uh, in that period, I got divorced. I went bankrupt. Uh, Uh, a million other things happened along the way. There were family things, and then personal front uh, on work front. Uh, scripts weren't working out. My writing wasn't working out. There were tons of those moments in which uh, I felt that what is going on. I just couldn't understand how it wasn't working out anymore. Uh, had I run out of luck? Had I run out of steam? Uh, did I not have a voice as a filmmaker left anymore after one film itself? Uh, all those questions that arise and all of that. but every time it brought me back invariably to uh, my own mother actually because my dad passed away when i was 7 and my mother has woken up one morning with three children and her mother to look after never had a job in her life she's only done an internship and then she just decided that i need to be the bread earner of this family i need to support them and started to bring three children and a parent uh, up virtually yeah. uh, and now when you look back at it during these times in hindsight you turn around at that time it was whatever but and now when you look back you realize that there must have been a, god knows how many nights that my mother must have fallen off to sleep crying uh trying to put herself to sleep because what the hell is going to happen tomorrow but she never gave up no matter what yeah. it just went on and things just ended up happening uh things kept working out in their own way uh so that's one of the educations that i took forward from there is that oh i'm sitting in an air conditioned room with a car of my own and a house and a roof uh no rent issues and all of that at a laptop and telling myself writing is not happening my god come on wake the hell up now you really can't be that stupid about it so that would just drive you through and you'd completely yes you'd get smashed you'd get bashed but then those moments would happen which would never allow you to get dashed oh Yeah, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, truly, truly deep, and yeah, it's um, cannot even imagine how it may have been, right? Um, but yeah, I think I think I look back to my dad immensely as well because he's again who's had. I mean, he in my I have a book coming out of the same name, and he's he's written an entire chapter for the book. Um, and yeah, just go through his life, and it's it's inspirational. I mean, truly one of my role models because again, you know, crazy stuff that happened with the Nax lights in Calcutta, walking away yeah. from home with just a suitcase after having maybe three hundred people working for you and the likes, and I mean, bankrupted so many times that uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it could should actually be a chapter, should be a book. So I totally again relate with you know how it is with um, the parents as well, and uh, yeah, awesome that Auntie was able to do uh, you know what she's able to do and how she inspires you. Um. Yeah, damn, that was really yeah touching. Yeah. And that's so, one biggest advantages of that you when you've been bankrupt is it doesn't scare you anymore. So now you're not just doing it. Oh, I need to pay a bill or any such thing, or I need to look out for that. You'll find a way to survive. You've done it before, so it's a great education. And I feel everyone should go through it at some point in time. Get bankrupt when you're successful because that's the biggest education. After that comes after that. It's not at that point in time. 
True that. True that. Yeah, and, and truly bouncing back from there is it's not easy, right? I mean, everyone's questioning. Uh, I mean, you yourself are questioning yourself, like you mentioned, and of course, everyone else is like, ha ha, you know, pata tha ki to hona hi tha. Yeah, they've written you off. The world has written you off, and all of that. If the only steam that takes you forward is your own, uh, so at that point in time, you really get to know who you are and what you're made of, what your upbringing has been, and all of that. So I think it's a great, uh, it's a um, therapy session. Uh, on its own. So either you come out of it completely bittered and uh, fighting with a fire that is angry, or you come out with it really smiling and happy and saying, you know what, we did that also. What's next? Yeah. Got that completely. So when things aren't really, you know, falling your way, what's your personal motivation? Because people are really quick to write you off. They're like, Ab to khata mein, ab to kuch So what makes you kind of, you know, then bounce back and say, you know what, this too shall pass. Um, every time it just gets like, oh my God, I, I've been written off multiple times, multiple times, uh, whether it is with the last film not doing well uh, or whatever it may be, or the eight year gap, it's been on multiple locations. Um, Invariably, I find myself telling myself something which is, I'm still here. So you still know my name. And according to you, you know me for a film that happened 13 years ago. You don't know me for my previous film. Therefore, I am still here. True that. And now I'm looking at myself from an outsider's perspective and saying, uh, why does he still remember this person? Mm. He must have something in him. Yeah. And then you kind of remind yourself that, you know what, it's okay. This is just the phase. Up and downs will keep happening. Move. The up cannot happen if you do not keep stepping forward. You will stay in the down. Yep. Yep. Stay in action. Just put that next step and just, yep, stay, stay in action. Agree. So all the working out in the gym and I would like to start checking out your Instagram and you're completely crushing it. So any plans of getting in front of the camera again as an actor, perhaps? Not at all. Not at all. I love it too much to be behind the camera, to care to be in front of the camera. Yeah. So the gym piece, I mean, inspirational. Uh, what's really pushing you, uh, you know, to go out there and, and work out uh, like, uh, you know, the beast that you are putting, the amount of effort that you're putting in, what really is the drive for making that happen? So I think that started, as I said, because post drive, uh, my film, last film that came out uh, after we met in Sanar and it wasn't a good film and all of that. So you sat back and reflected on it. And of course, when it doesn't do, uh, when it's not appreciated, you sit down in one little corner, weep for a while and say, oh my God, I'm not a good filmmaker. And what the hell is going to happen with my career? And it's over and all of that. And after a while, you just finish all of that. You get tired of that. And then you're like, you know what, let's move on. And you stand up and you say, okay, I want a different result. And we've read enough of these, whether as memes or whether in uh, self-help books or in any uh, motivational books is... Uh, if you want a different result, try doing something different, right? And at that point in time, for the longest while, since virtually I was the age of uh, 16 when I started working, my lifestyle was uh, to sleep at about 8 a.m. I would wake up by 1 p.m., uh, work till about 2, 3 p.m. and have uh, 2, 3 a.m. and have one meal the entire day at 4 a.m. Gosh. Right. And there were times when I wouldn't eat that meal because I wasn't hungry and therefore eat after 72, 48 hours or 72 hours. And that's where the first thing I realized is that needs to change. If you want to uh, change internally as a person, you need to change your external habits. So, so I decided that, you know what, I'm going to do this fitness thing. And just luckily for there, at that point in time, uh, my Instagram uh, 
algorithm threw up one 40 days to new year challenge right and so by november 22nd is when it was 40 days to new years a mm -hmm. uh, long time ago somewhere i had read is 2169 that if you can do a, a something for 21 days it becomes uh, you break the habit or you make the habit by 69 days it's a lifestyle so I said, okay, let's try and hit 40 days. Let's see whether I have the metal and the willpower to hold for 40 days. Right. So I didn't give myself this ultimate challenge of saying, I want a six pack. I don't want, I want to lose five kilos or any such thing. It was literally, can you wake up every morning at 7.30 for 40 days? And by the time the end of that 40 days happened, I didn't want to sleep uh, all those hours. I wanted to wake up at 7.30 a.m. Awesome. So that kept driving you saying, okay, let's see if I can do it for that 69 days. That 69 days finished and you said, you know what, let me do it for 30. Let's just round it out to 100. And so you gave yourself smaller goals and that just, and then you, of course, see results. And then the high arrives that, oh my God, this is working. And you move on further and further. And before you know it, it's just a lifestyle and you can't do without it. It's my one hour of me time in that gym where nothing bothers me. I don't care what's happening with the world, what's happening with me, career working out, not working out, monetary working out, not working out, relationship working out, not working out. None of that matters at that point in time. So true. So, true. so now it's become more of a need for my me time rather than a workout space. Yeah. Interesting how you mentioned that really started for you, right? But just about, you know, the habit of waking up first. And it's something that I've been spending a lot of time on this year as well, where we talk about tiny habits. And of course, you know, there's a guy called BJ Fogg who wrote the book and he's a Stanford professor. And he's all like, you know, if you want to start working out and, you know, if you start, want to get healthy, the thing is you start with, you know, that little tiny habit, which could just be waking up and putting on your shoes and just, yeah. just sitting, you know, and not doing anything. He's like, don't think you want to walk or run a marathon or do an ultra or whatever. He's just put on your shoes and sit. He said, as you keep doing that, you know, then something in your brain is going to go off and say, you know what, I've got my shoes on. Why not just walk a little bit? More? Yeah. And you know how you really scale it up and, and which is why I've been, you know, taking that. And of course, you know, because I represent Grant and Grant is all about 10X. So I'm going from tiny to 10X. So that's, you know, the methodology that I preach where I've got, you know, this thing, right. the tiny habit space and then the 10X space, because not everyone is capable of being a 10X guy. You can't always be all on, right? And that's, right. It's, just, it's just not human. It's just not normal. So I think, I think that really correlates. And I love what you just mentioned about how you just said, okay, let me start with this. And let's just see where it goes from there. And then one thing leads to another. And it's so strange, actually, that you mentioned that about putting on my shoes. Uh, for the longest while, when I was trying to write in the middle in these eight years and all of that, I suddenly woke up one morning and realized that I'm feeling very drained. Um, and which is one thing I realized is that every morning when I head out to work or sit down, I have the ability to go out in my chapels. I can go out and sit down and write in my chapels also. Right. And that's when I caused that first change and I actually wore shoes. And it just created such a change in you as a person is that you suddenly felt the need, as you said, you know what, I've got my shoes on. Let's go do something. Let's go out somewhere. And therefore you started on that without even realizing. So I've done things that you're talking about without ever reading that book or realizing it also that I'm doing something actively in that direction. It just happened for me. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. And you're right, you know, like change your environment and, and change your circumstances. I mean, Sunday yeah. today, uh, before today, I was on a webinar for 
two and a half hours of chatting and then there was 15 minute break and now we're doing this and you know everyone's like aap thakte nahi ho and i said no man and i said sunday and i'm dressed up you know in, in a jacket and everything else like everyone thinks it's weird but it's just about you know flipping that switch in your mind where you say hey you know what i mean after this is over it's three in the afternoon and i can go and crash for a couple of hours but you know while you're there really go and do that super so your advice and, and concluding you know couple of questions uh, in fact before i come to the advice uh, future projects because everyone's you know keen to know what's really happening for you right now so future projects and then the last question will be about advice so future projects that you're on and what's really happening for you at the moment so i'm working on this show right now uh, it's called test case uh, it's an action show completely action show and that's going to start in about mid march mm-hmm. uh, so i'm excited to do that because suddenly i'm going to go from uh, arti kathalis to guns uh so it'll be a great change over for me and it'll be nice so i'm look really looking forward to this one and that's a web show after which i have a comedy film which i'm writing and i want to get back into that comedy world and make sure people laugh again so definitely that's happening next super yeah and i think one thing that we can all do with is, is some more laughs so yeah. all the In best definitely definitely for both the projects i'm sure you're going to absolutely crush it um and your advice finally to people you know who are currently maybe not in the best place uh, you know a little bit of um, you know doubt and uh smash bash going on you know with them as well don't want to be dashed uh, what is your advice to just people because we have a lot of listeners you know who who relate with that theme and they always you know come back to you know to want to know what would your advice be to them and i, I know your advice is not something you like to give too much but just your thoughts uh, to people you know who who not in the best of places right now um from someone who's not been in the best of places for more or for a long period of time in the past i can tell you that find one little thing that you can accomplish in a day uh get your uh, dopamine hits from something whether it is i went for a jog whether it is uh, i wrote one page today mm-hmm. whether it is i gave two auditions today mm-hmm. uh whatever it may be yeah. uh, sitting at home you have whatever whether you have a home or not to sit in whatever it may be find something that gives you a little bit of a high that can take you through that day after a few days you'll realize that you've taken a few baby steps and you're that much further ahead you're not standing still mm-hmm. so just keep taking those steps it's okay it's not easy to take those steps it's going to be rough um, there's going to be way more people bashing you down rather than helping you up okay. but if you can't help yourself don't expect anyone to help you love that wow that was truly uh, super insightful and agree 100% i mean goes without saying so thank you so much tarun uh, you know we're rooting for you and all your future endeavors ladies and gentlemen tarun mansukhani a true example all right of a fighter who never ever gives up right old school motto but truly embodies that and if you haven't you know heard this through and through go back and listen to this episode again it's so cool do also follow on Inst- do also follow him on instagram okay i'm telling you, i'm inspired i joined the gym just on the basis of you know his posts and everything else So it inspired me to go back to the gym and you know start crushing well at least getting towards my fitness goals tiny steps and uh, thank you Tarun uh, so very much uh, appreciate so much you being here today thanks Gaurav it was wonderful chatting with you and catching up with you also already